0: Hello, this is Reverend John Harfouche, and you're listening to the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. We have a message for you today from Pastor Christy Amira Harfouche. For more information, live broadcasts, and video teachings, connect with us online at globalrevival.com and join us every week for the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. Open up in the Word of God with me today to the book of James, and we're going to speak a little bit about Singleness of mind. And uh, when we talk about singleness of mind, we talk about peace, we talk about sobriety, we talk about focus, we talk about strength. The Word of God says, and we're about to read it today, that there is nothing that we can receive from the Lord if we are a double minded person. That means That being single-minded, being focused, being uh, uh, of one mind is of utmost importance to us. Because we are not those who are willing to go without having our prayers answered. I'm not willing. I don't know about you, but I'm not willing. So that means that I need to discover what are the tools? What are the uh, revelations? What is God showing? What is God telling us? on how we can live our life with a single mind, one mind. Not, not many minds, not many ways of thinking, just the right way of thinking. How many of you know that's important? And many people uh, don't know that they have anything to do with what uh, occupies their mind. How many of you know that there are many people that think that they, have, they can't help it? Their mind runs them their thoughts run without them. But how many of you know that that's not the way that it's supposed to be? We're called by God to walk in peace. We're called by God to have a focused faith. Actually, without having a focused faith, we cannot move with God. We have to have a That oneness in our mind, that focus in our mind. So how does that come? Well, that's what we're talking about it. Let's talk about it. So in James in chapter one in verse five, it says, let's read it together. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth liberally to all men and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. So how many of you see if you lack wisdom? And that word wisdom is not some uh, spiritual word that only applies to a lofty spirituality uh, uh, of wisdom. How many of you know that we have been taught so much that God's ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, which is true. How many of you know that's the truth? But. It's taught to us in a way that says, hey, yeah, we know what the Bible says, but that's way higher than we live. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? So there's a separation in a lot of people's minds, and they think that when they're hearing the word of God, it's applicable only to a spiritual aspect of them, but it's not applicable to their actual life. Because there's a separation there. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And people use that as as an excuse to say, you never know what God's going to do. But how many of you know that this is his will and his testament? And more than that, he said the new covenant is written on our hearts and in our mouth. Right? So that means that the Bible says that Christ came. To demonstrate and manifest the full will of God. Isn't that right? So how many of you know that Christ showed us the will of God? We don't have to wonder what the will of God is. I I, I didn't want to stop here, but I'm going to go ahead and stop here. If we don't know what the will of God is, then we can't pray knowing that God will answer our prayers. Because if we, in our heart, don't, now, how many of you know there's, there's, two, there's different prayers? There's a prayer of consecration. There's a prayer that says, whatever your will, let it be done in my life. And there are times when we pray that because we don't know the will of God. But how many of you know that if, if you're sick, you don't have to pray. If it be your will, Lord, heal me. Because he already revealed his will Is to heal. He already said that by my stripes you were healed. He already said he sent his word and healed them. He already showed in the word of God that Christ came to be a sacrifice to pay the price so that we would not live with sickness. So how many of you see that when you know the will of God, you don't pray if it be your will, you pray God's will. How many of you could say amen about that? So there are times where we say, Lord, if it be your will, that may be, maybe you have two jobs lined up. You don't know which one's the will of God. You you can pray that, right? Maybe you have two schools that you're thinking of sending your children to. You could pray about the will of God at that point. How many of you are with me? But if you know the will of God, then you could be single-minded about that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Come on. You can be fiercely focused about that. You can have blinders on your eyes to everything that is not the will that God revealed. If God said it, then that's what we put our faith on. We don't allow anything else to come in and sow another mind in our mind. You say, well, what do you mean another mind? How many of you know that, that this is what I'm saying? When we teach his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways. That is true. God knows everything. But that does not mean that God's wisdom is irrelevant to where you are because he's somehow separated from you. How many of you are with me? And I got to stop here for another for another second. You see, people think, well, I I don't know uh, uh, in the back of their mind. They don't actually know that God wants them to be uh, happy, blessed, taken care of. And so they cannot stand on the word because in the back of their mind, they think. Well, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my... Maybe he wants me to go through this trial so that I can minister to somebody or so that something can happen or something can... That's not, that's not the way that God revealed himself to be. He doesn't sacrifice you in order to save someone else. He, he already paid the price. So how many of you know that there's this, this flaky uh, teaching? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Where people, they they in the back of their mind, they think, well, this may be God's will for me. No, it is not God's will for you to be sacrificed for somebody else. God has already paid the price for everybody. He... And that doesn't mean that God won't take a bad situation and turn it around for your good. But he was not the author of the bad. He was the author of the turnaround. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so how many of you know that we have to talk about this when we're talking about singleness of mind? Because if you're praying about something, but you have a shred of doubt, and that doubt is saying well, maybe, maybe God doesn't want you to be blessed because he knows what it did to uncle so-and-so. I don't know, right? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Maybe God doesn't want you to, to have that, you know? And how many of you know there are, there are places where we don't know the will of God? But where you and I know the will, We do not wonder about the will. Faith is not based on wonderings. Faith is based on what we know. And you don't don't need to know everything to be accurate in faith. If you just be faithful with what you do know. And you guard what you do know then what you do know will grow and what you do have will grow and the revelations that you have right now won't be the last revelations that you have. Hallelujah. But you have to guard those truths. Lift your hands up to heaven and shout glory three times. Glory. So I got on that because we were talking about wisdom. Because the original word wisdom is actually scientific knowledge. It's knowledge. Real knowledge. See, how many of you know, we thought it was like poetic wisdom. (laughs) And and how many of you know, I'm sure that that includes that. but, But why is that the Greek word? Because he's saying that if you need knowledge, if you need wisdom, if you need direction, if you need what is applicable to this life, not what is. Uh, uh, lofty knowledge that will help you when you're writing poetry, but will not help you when you're trying to put food on the table. That's ridiculous. God is our provider. He is our source. He is the most relevant thing to the world that we live in, the most relevant force to our life. Hallelujah. So if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth liberally or giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Now this this scripture is, is tough. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Don't let him think he's going to get anything from God. Now, how many of you know that sounds intense? Isn't that it? That sounds intense. But the scripture is showing us that if you are not 100%. 100% sold out on God. then you're not completely given over to faith. We're going to keep going. Is that okay? I could stop and ask ask, answer a lot of questions floating around, but I'm not going to do it. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How many of you see that the Lord wants all of us? He wants all of you. All of you, spirit, soul, and body. He does not want us to be like, I'll try that God thing. But I'll also try this thing over here and this thing over here. How many of you know if you live like that, that's not faith. And you're not going to get God's results because God isn't like that. God is, you better get in or get out. God doesn't like Lukewarm. Make them hot or make them cold. And so it says, uh, God, uh, don't let that person, don't let a person of that sort think that they're going to get anything from God. An, an, irre, an irresolute person like him who is uncertain about everything he does. That's the, God, the Godspeed translation. Being a man of two minds, undecided in every step he takes. Now somebody, this is, this is where I'm, this is important for us. Hit, hit, hit yourself and say, hey, this is important for me. Because I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. Many people think that they are not the author's. They are not in control of their thoughts, that their thoughts just go, that they, 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 they can't help it. That's just the way I am. I can't help it. I think like that. How many of you have said that or, or or heard somebody say that? I can't help it. That's how I think. That's how I am. They think it's just something that's in you. But how many of you know that we know enough to know that the Bible says That we are to cast down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So what that means is every thought that says what God says is not all that is a, a lying imagination. And that imagination has to be cast down. And then it goes on to say taking into captivity every thought. Tying up every thought. Well, how many of you know that most people don't know that they have the ability to cast down imaginations and to take authority over their thought life? Why, why Why would we need to do that if it was just the way we think? If it was you, you couldn't win a victory. You can't fight against yourself and win. So obviously... So obviously, the thought didn't come from you. See, the enemy does not need to get you to reject God, he just needs to get you to doubt God. Because a double minded man is unstable. See, he doesn't need to get the Christian to denounce Christ. He just needs to get the Christian to not really live their life as if Christ's sacrifice changed anything. And so if the person lives like that, if they live as if, yes, Christ has my heart, God has my heart, but... I'm not going to necessarily build my life on those principles, the principles of the word of God. I'm not going to like, you know, stake my life that God's going to come through because, you know, God's ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And you never really know what God's going to do. That's not true. You know what God's going to do. Abraham knew God. And he didn't even have the the leather-bound pages of the Bible that we have today. He just had a word from the Lord. And the Bible said that Abraham believed God so much that he didn't even consider the deadness of his body or the deadness of Sarah's womb, meaning he took captive every thought that tried to enter that said God's word was not the truth in his body. He was not of two minds he was of one mind and that mind so trusted in god that when god asked him to give his only son abraham had already received isaac back by faith, knowing that God is not a taker, but that God is a giver. He was so sure about the will of God for his life that he was willing to go the extra mile knowing that God would come through for him. That's why it says that if somebody comes to God, they must believe two things. What are they? That God, that he is, that God exists, that he is God, that he is good, that he is. And that he is a rewarder rewarder of those that diligently seek him. How many of you see that if you don't know that God is a rewarder, when you pray, you will not be sure that God wants to answer your prayers. Now, are there times where people pray amiss? Yes. The Bible talks about it. Are there times where people ask for something that they can't have? Yes. Sure. Sure. Don't make me give examples. If, if, but if the, if the Bible promises it, if God promises it in the word of God, then you don't have to wonder about God's will. You know, God's will. And that means that every thought that comes in. So, so we have to be on guard. Somebody say on on guard because our thought life is where, see, we hear our heart conceives, our mouth speaks. We hear, our heart conceives, our mouth speaks. That's how everything comes in. Or we see, our heart conceives, our mouth speaks. Why? The the, the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. We know that without a preacher, they cannot even conceive the faith to receive salvation. The Bible says, how will they hear unless there's a preacher? And then it says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And so you'll be saved. You'll be transformed. You'll be taken from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Well, how many of you know that if faith is conceived by hearing, then there are many other things that are conceived by hearing, by seeing, by 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 experiencing, right? And so we have to be the kind of people that take care of, uh, uh, the, the, the thought life that God's given us jurisdiction over. How many of you are, are with me? Yep. Yes. And so uh, the Beck translation says he's half-hearted, wavering in everything he does. So I'm going to go with, with you to Second Timothy, and then we're going to go back. What is double-mindedness? Double-mindedness is, it's a Greek word here, dipsuchos. It means of two souls or of two selves. Two-souled or double-minded. How many of you see there's a lot of teaching that could make you a double-minded person? If you feel that you're still a sinner then it will be very hard to pray the prayers of a just saint who receives much from the Lord. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man avail much. If you believe you're a sinner, then you're going to be double-minded in that prayer. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Smack yourself and say, hey, keep on this train. And so... Uh, uh, somebody who believes that they're a sinner cannot pray as a righteous person. The prayers of a sinner don't avail much. The prayers of a righteous man avail much. So how many of you know that you and I have to be of a single mind? We have to know what the Bible said, and we have to refuse everything that the Bible didn't say. We have to receive what God gives. See, how many of you see lack wisdom? Ask God. He giveth liberally. He upbraideth not. We know that that wisdom is not non-relevant wisdom. It's not some sort of a divine wisdom that is not applicable to this world around us. It is real wisdom. There are people in the world today that believe that Jesus Christ was a great man who did good things, and you can learn a lot from his life. Those people will not go to heaven. (laughs) Unless they choose that Jesus Christ is their savior, that he is God, that he washed them of their sins, that there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ, through his flesh, hallelujah, through his sacrifice. So how many of you see that they think that there is a wisdom that you can learn, but it's not really applicable to the transformation of who they are? Now, if you have a Christianity like that, your Christianity will stay invisible. You will never experience or see the manifestation of that Christianity. Or very rarely, maybe. Now, how many of you don't want that kind of Christian? You want, you want to have what God said in the now. How many of you want prayers answered? You want God to hear you. You want to know how to stay peaceful. How to have a sober mind. And so it says in 2 Timothy, for God has not given us. 2 Timothy 1 7. Let's all look at it. God's a giver. And you know, later in James, James says, every good gift comes from God. You and I have to be completely persuaded of the goodness of God. You, It's easy to surrender. To a good God It's hard if you wonder about God And how many of you know There's been a lot of Stuff that's caused Wondering There's been a lot of, th- of, of People that have uh, I'm not, That's not my message <laughs> that's not my message. We're talking about singleness of mind. second Timothy one, seven for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? He has not given us that kind of a spirit and that word fear is the word timidity he has not given us the the spirit of timidity he has not given us the spirit that's unsure The, the uh, one translation says, for the spirit that God has given does not impart timidity. The spirit he has bestowed on us is not one that shrinks from danger. Now, first of all, how many of you see it's the spirit that God gives us? So it's not a courage that we come up with ourselves. It's a gift from the Lord, a gift of courage, a gift of faith, a gift of boldness. A a, a gift that that knows god and knows how to pray to god the spirit himself prayeth through us with groanings which cannot be uttered we know the will of the lord and we pray that will out even when we don't have the words we have the answer even when we don't know exactly what to pray we know in the spirit that imparts timidity. Well, what's timidity? Timidity is being not totally sure, not totally confident. When you're timid about something, you're not, you're not confident. You're not bold. You're not courageous about it. And that's not the spirit that God gives. Then how many of you know that if it's not the spirit that God gives, then it's not the spirit that we're called to have. If it's not the spirit that God gives, then it must be a spirit outside of God. Right? So it's not the spirit of cowardice, one translation says. My goodness. So one, we have to know that God did not give us the spirit of fear. So God didn't give it. So how many of you know that if you get a package and you don't know who it's from, you might not open it? I suggest you don't. That's my suggestion. (laughs) That's just the way that I am. Okay. But I mean, if you get a package and you don't know who it's from and it's not good, don't keep it. Send it back or throw it away. Get it out of your house. It's not from God. Fear is not from God. Timidity is not from God. Insecurity is not from God. When you're insecure about something, it means that you're not confident in it. Now, insecurity and fear is a spirit. That means sometimes we feel it, but that doesn't mean that it's who you are. And that means that it's, it's hallelujah, something that you have authority over. I'm not going to preach unless you get this tonight. Hallelujah. And so God didn't give it, so that means it came from somewhere else. Well, where where does doubt come from? If you find out where doubt is coming into your life from, shut that faucet off, shut that channel off, shut that, block that number, you know, delete that app. (laughs) Whatever it is, whatever it is, don't let it come in. So if you do not see it, you do not hear it, then you don't have to wage a battle over it. Now, that that doesn't mean that we live in a bubble. You can't. How many of you know you can't live in a bubble? God didn't make you a champion so that you would never need to be a champion over anything. It, It does no good to be more than a conqueror if you're not conquering. How many of you are with me? But that does not mean that people are not allowing some streams of information into their life that they really don't need to deal with that kind of warfare. If you don't have to be, uh, if you don't have to hear doubt and unbelief, turn it off. If, if you don't, if you don't have to hear uh, or see something that you have to wait battle about afterwards, just shut it off. It's not worth it. You are too valuable to God to to battle things you don't need to battle. How many of you are with me? So when you, when you hear a word that's not from the Lord, then you, you may end up having to fight a battle about that word. You may end up having to take that word to prayer. You may end up having to, to win the battle in the mind over that doubt and unbelief filled word. So if you don't have to, hear those words, don't. Because if you, you don't have to fight that battle. Amen. (laughs) And so number, there's three points here. I'm trying to get to number one, God didn't give us that spirit. So it's from somewhere else. Now, the reason we need to know that is that means that we don't have to keep it. We don't, have, we don't have to give it a house. We don't have to give it a room. All right? <laughs> Number two, uh, we know that fear is a spirit. So if it's a spirit, that means that we have authority over it. We have authority over the spirit of fear. Number three, we know the antidote. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but... Power, love, and a sound mind. So the antidote to the spirit of fear is power, love, and a sound mind. Well, we know that power, that word power is the word dunamis. That's what God gave us. That's miracle working power. Divine energy. Divine ability. That's the power that God gave you. Then he gave you love. That's agape. That's divine love. That's the love that he shed abroad in our hearts. That's not natural love that runs out. That's supernatural love that bubbles over. And then he gave us a sound mind. God gave it. He has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That word a sound mind means a disciplined or sober mind. A self-controlled mind. That's a gift. Now, how many of you know that if you know it's a spirit, wait, fear is a spirit? Faith is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. Sober mind is given to me in the spirit. Oh, well, that changes things. That means that when I pray in the Holy Spirit, I'm building up my courage my sobriety of mind, my disciplined mind. I'm building up within myself the type of person that can say no to doubt and unbelief and yes to faith. I'm building up on the inside of me somebody who can know what God said about it and know that any other voice doesn't belong in my head. Go somewhere else. Hallelujah. And so God gave us power, love, and sobriety, one translation said. Isn't that good? Yes. One translation said sound judgment. I like that. How many of you want to have sound judgment? Yes. How many of you want to make the right decisions? Yes. How many of you want to know that God is giving you a, 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 a sense of what's right and what's wrong, who's telling the truth and who's not? Yes. <laughs> uh he has given us, but this is the amplified translation, and I, I, I really like this. Are you ready? Yes. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Do you know? I mean, just put your hands on yourself and just say, I have been given by God. The spirit, of power and of love. the spirit of power and of love and of calm and, of calm. and, well-balanced, mind. and well-balanced mind and discipline, and, discipline. And, self-control. and self-control. Now, you know, the word self-control has gotten a bad rap because when we think self-control, we think, oh, that's not... That's a terrible thing. That's not fun. That's awful, and that's tough, and challenging, and you know, I don't have that. I don't know why why people think that way, you know? But what they need to understand is that when the Bible, when the word of God talks about self-control, the word of God is describing someone who is bridled according to what the word says, describing someone that is centered in what God said about them. Describing somebody that is not needing To find the answer. They know they have the answer. Even when they don't yet know the details. They know that Christ is the answer. And he lives within them. And that means that fear can't stay. That means that doubt can't stay. That means that insecurity can't stay. That means that a double minded man can't stay. Hallelujah. And uh, so we have to know. That that's what God has already given us he's given me a single mind he's given me sobriety and discipline of my, disciplined mind he's given me those things glory to God thank you jesus he's given me sobriety he's given me a uh, clear thinking he's given me that hallelujah and uh let's 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 go to uh Glory to God. Go to Ephesians in chapter four. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Now, how many of you see that God doesn't doesn't want uh, the person to feel that they are captive to two minds? Many people say, I'm, I'm trying to believe that, Pastor Christie. I'm trying to believe that. Well, what's going on? Well, they have been uh, seeded with two ways of thinking. And so one way of thinking says this is what the word says. But the other way of thinking says, but. <laughs> and so on and so forth, whatever the but is. Right? Whatever, whatever the, the other side of the, uh, the doubt is. And so they have two ways of thinking operating in one mind. Well, how do, you, how do you get rid of that? Well, the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Well, how, how, how do we renew our mind? Through the word. And reading the word is good, but hearing the word, hearing the word is how the word describes how faith comes. The, the, the very word itself says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so there, there's an anointing, there is a power, there's an impartation that comes when we hear the word of God. Now, when the word of faith comes and faith comes up in our heart, fear has to leave. Yes. I don't know if you've ever experienced encountering a revelation from the lord and when you got that revelation you couldn't even you didn't even know where fear could could have been in another country you had no doubt no doubt anywhere around you of what god says now what what about when you do sense doubt does that mean that you can't be in faith know the answer what is it what is it no (laughs) No. (laughs) shout it no No, because you could sense doubt but you can resist doubt see how many of you know i'm going to use this as an analogy i've never been uh skydiving But I know that there comes a time where you're in the plane and it doesn't matter how you feel. You have to decide whether you are going to jump out of the plane or whether you are going to stay in the plane. Now, I imagine that there are very few people that do not sense fear at that moment. I imagine, unless they, I imagine that there are a few people that do not sense fear at that moment. But how many of you know that even if they sense it, but when they make the decision, now I'm not endorsing skydiving right now. I'm using this as an analogy. When they make the decision to jump out of the plane, fear, the feeling of fear no longer matters. Because they made the decision. And someone's like, what does that have to do with anything? Because if you live your life by faith, if you make your decisions based on what the word of God says, if you put your steps in order with God's words, if you live that way, if you jump out of that plane, then nobody can say you were afraid. They don't know what you felt because what you felt did not dictate who you are. Hallelujah. So who you are was not how you felt at that time. Who you are was a skydiver, (laughs) hallelujah. And so the the walk of faith is a lot more um, reliable than skydiving. God is better than any parachute. You can count on him more than you can count on anything else. But how many of you know that there are times where you have to make the decision that you are going to follow God no matter how you feel, no matter what you sense, you're going to follow God's word. That's why it's so important that we know the word of God, because we cannot be led by our feelings. Now, we are people of the spirit. And we sense things in the Spirit, and that's good. But we are not called to be led only by our senses. We are called to be able to know what the Word says. And in times where we need to lean on that, we lean, well, every day we lean on that. Glory to God. Ephesians in chapter 4, are you with me? How many of you got that, that analogy? See, if you jump out of the plane, it doesn't matter how you felt. You chose what you believed. And what you believed was that parachute's gonna work, my training is gonna work, all that's gonna, right? That's what you believed. Now, if somebody pushed you out of the plane, <laughs> Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 14. <laughs> Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, the reason I went here is because James says that if you're a double-minded person, You are like someone who is tossed to and fro with the wind. And the only other time, uh, well, this portion of scripture came up on my spirit because this is also talking about being tossed. Carried about with every wind of doctrine. And so it says that we henceforth be no more children or infants. That word is infants. That we no more be infants tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And that word doctrine means teaching. You're not called, we're not called to shift every time somebody teaches an opinion. See, that's where a double-minded, that's where a double-mind comes from. If you listen to two opposing voices and you let them in, how many of you know there's a difference between hearing something and regarding it uh, uh, as truth? How many of you know you could hear stuff and be like, mm mm? <laughs> And it doesn't really, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't get into your mind. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, not every movie that you watch with your children, you you believe the characters in that movie. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a difference between hearing a voice and that voice being something that you regard and you listen to as if it's good for you. And there's a difference between natural knowledge and supernatural spiritual knowledge revelatory truth and so when you hear things you have to make the decision that i'm going to stick with what the word of god says why because there's other teachings and the weymouth says according to men's cleverness and unscrupulous cunning that makes use of every shifting device to mislead wow you got to stay away from that kind of teaching. Yeah. Through the trickery of men with their ingenuity in inventing error. <laughs> How many of you are not in that school? The and the jockeying of men who are expert in the crafty presentation of lies. The, the, the N-O-R translation says, crafty presentation of error as truth. How many of you have ever heard something that was proclaimed as truth, but you knew in your spirit that it wasn't true? Now, if you've ever left that situation, there are times where what you are hearing is empowered by the devil. There are people who speak, and the enemy is empowering their words. That's what this is talking about. The devil is empowering their words. Now, when you leave that and you go to your home or you go into your church and then you hear the word of God and all of a sudden that other word that you heard is now competing with the word of God. You have to make the decision, no, 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 no. My mind is not up for rent. I don't have a room for doubt and unbelief in this mind. I don't have a room for man's teaching. Because man without God has a hidden agenda And so with an agenda comes a different form of knowledge. The knowledge is tainted because it is trying to impart that agenda to the hearers. God's word is free. God's word is full of love. God's word gives. God's word imparts. There's no strings attached. It's not trying to make you, uh, uh, you know, Be conformed to this world. It's it's making you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of you are with me? So this is saying, listen, we need to grow up and no longer be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Well, how do we do that? Well, how many of you know how to do that with a ship? If you want the ship to stay put, what do you have to drop? Now, I'm not saying you do that in the middle of the ocean, but how many of you know what I'm talking about? You drop that anchor. That's the only thing that keeps a ship. Well, what's your anchor? Who is our anchor? So we've got to be founded in the word. We've got to be founded in what God says. We can't have opposing ideas in one mind we've got to have our mind stayed on him i'm going to go to one more place because i have a lot and and i can't cover it all tonight matthew in chapter six and we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go here thank you jesus thank you for your word Thank you for your spirit that is life. Thank you for your spirit that is sobriety of mind. Thank you for your spirit that imparts courage and faith. We thank you, Father, that we are not those that wonder. We are not those that fret. We are not those that have anxiety. We are those that are founded in your truth and in your word. We thank you, Lord, that we know what your plans are for us. They're plans of good and not of evil. We know that you said that you would give us long life. We know that you said that you would bless us in the the city, bless us in the field, bless us when we come in, bless us when we go out. We thank you, Father, that we are not those who sorrow without hope because we know our hope is in you. And that hope cannot be ashamed. You will never, you will never allow those who put their trust in you to be ashamed. Hallelujah. And that that trust... Is like our anchor. That trust is like our foundation. That trust is what we build our life on. If we build our life on sand. It will rock and it will reel. But if we build our heart. Our life on the rock. It will not move. It will not move. And so some of you need to be like that person. That just jumps out of the plane. In faith. In faith. I I know it sounds like terrible advice. But that's what Peter did. Peter said, tell me to come. Tell me to come. And he stepped out of the boat. And so in Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 22, it says, I'll wait for you to get there. Matthew 6, 22. When you're there, shout amen. 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 Shout it. Amen. Yeah, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single thy whole body shall be full of light. Now that word eye is the mind's eye. The mind's eye, the light of the eye, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. That word single is the word haplos. It's the opposite prefix to double-minded. It means one Simple, sound, perfect. It literally means an undivided focus. How many of you know we know that's the truth because the Bible says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. So someone with a single mind, somebody with, one eye what does that mean well how many of you know we have a saying i only have eyes for you (laughs) i only have eyes for you how many of you know you have to only have eyes for god in other words you have to only regard what he says it's your authority it's your it's your baseline it's the truth You can build your life on it. You could take it to the bank, so to speak. You can live like what the word, live on that word, build your life on that word. And so then it says, if thy eye be evil, now maybe you see the opposite of single is evil. How can that be true? The opposite of having a single mind or a single eye, meaning that, You got that eye focus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Hallelujah. And think about him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your So what we look at is affecting the health of our mind. Hallelujah. This is so good. So good. And so, ah, glory to God. And so that word evil, how, how is that the opposite? of? How many of you know that God doesn't want us to have a double mind? He doesn't want us to pray and pray and pray and pray, but not get anything from the Lord because we're not all the way in God. Do not ride the fence with God. Get in or get out. Get in or get out. Just go all the way. Yeah. Someone said, well, that sounds crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that word evil is the word diseased. If thy eye be diseased or malicious, if thy eye be ill, the whole body will be full of darkness. Well, what's the what's evil eye? What's a malicious eye? Wow, it's quite a somebody just gave me the evil eye. But I I'm protected in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But no, well, in, a, in other words, if your eye is evil, your whole body will be filled with darkness. How many of you know that you can't have an evil eye if you're contemplating the goodness of God? You won't have a diseased mentality if you are meditating on what God said. See, this is what people don't understand about praise and worship. We sing a song that says, my praise is a weapon. And that is a true statement. My praise is a weapon. Because when I praise the Lord, I am magnifying that He is God over my life. He is Lord over my future. I get the outcome He promises, and I don't get anything else. So my praise is a weapon. Glory to God. And so you, you if we look at, Let's look at Matthew 6, because this is amazing, because when you read that, you think, well, what does that have anything to do with anything? Well, it has everything to do with everything. Just put your hands on your spirit and let, let out a little bit of that. Just pray in the Holy Ghost today. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 nori- glory, nori- glory, nori- glory. Thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you Savior. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Father, for your promise. Thank you that what you've promised us is what we live by. We thank you that tonight that every person under the sound of my voice will experience a new level of courage, boldness, faith, and accuracy. We thank you, Father, that we are not those that are tossed to and fro. We are not those that do not receive what we ask for. No, we are those that set our eyes on you We set our affection on you. We set our meditation on you. When doubt and wind and wave come, we eject them from our way of thinking. And we hold fast to your word for our life in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So when we look at Matthew in six, we see that Christ is Speaking about something he said the light of the body is the eye if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye uh, be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, how many of you see how, how are these two things related? Is Jesus just completely changing the subject or are these two things related to each other? They're related because he goes on to talk about what we seek. So the I is not only what we set our meditation on, it's also what we set our sights on, what we set our hope on, what we set our affection on, what we make our goal. So if your eye is single and focused on the Lord, your whole body will be filled with light. If your eye is evil, focused on this and that and this and that and things and and natural uh, uh, stuff and all these things. How many of you see that the enemy multiplicity? God, one. The enemy confusion. God, peace. The enemy a lot of stuff. God says it's all in me. The enemy will try to give you many minds, many focuses, many goals, many. Opportunities. His way is wide. God's narrow. How many of you see what, where I'm going with this? And so Jesus then goes on, and I know you know this because I've read Matthew 6 every time I've ministered probably for the past. As it, I, I love Matthew 6. I, I don't know. I just keep getting more out of it. You would think that I wouldn't have. I switched Bibles because Matthew 6 is falling out of the other one, and I still get more out of it. He says in verse 25, well, let's keep reading. Well, that is keep reading. Okay. Therefore, (laughs) somebody said, I'm trying to follow you, Pastor Christie, but you're, you're swerving. I'm sorry. Stay focused. Matthew, Matthew 625. Are you there? Okay, go. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Now stop. Isn't this the main source of anxiety for the world? This is the main source of anxiety which you can't have a sober mind when you're anxious. You can't have, let let me rephrase that. You can't have a sober mind when you are under the influence of anxiety. In other words, when you're under it. Now, you could sense anxiety and resist it. That's different. How many of you are with me? But if you know that you I am, I am, not only am I sensing anxiety, I am now anxious. Then at that moment, you're not walking in sobriety of mind or peace of mind. It's hard to think. It's hard to know what, what you're doing. That's fear, right? That's, that's going to be where you're timid, where you're unsure, Right? All those places are in the area of anxious thought. So Jesus is showing us something. He's saying, listen, you don't need to put your eyes on a million things. You need to set your eyes on one thing. And know that in that one thing, everything else you need is supplied. How many of you know that? You could already feel more peaceful if you just say that. And so he said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? How many of you see this? This is a hilarious question. Which of you by worrying can add height? Can grow? Can any of you worry so hard that you grow? Jesus is showing us worry doesn't do anything. But worry is the byproduct of trusting in the wrong thing. Now that's not, that does not mean that all of us at one time or another do not have to resist worrying. Now, that was a double negative, so I hope I said that right. But each of us has to resist, one time or another, the temptation to worry. That's why Jesus is talking about it. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of these things. Now, how many of you see in verse 32, if you know that God knows you have need of all these things, you've got to know that he wants to give you all of these things. You've got to know God enough to trust your life to God. We were just talking about this in, uh, let's talk about it, where people say, don't ask for patience. <laughs> because if you ask for patience, God will teach you patience. (laughs) How many of you know that those people in in the back of their mind, they think that God is not all good, or he's not really bothered if you're bothered? And in some cases, maybe that's true. But how many of you know there's there's nothing you should be afraid to ask God for? If it's a good thing and God is good, pray for it. How many of you are with me tonight? And so if if it's a good thing and God is good, pray for it. So so he said, God knows that you have need of all these things. What does that mean? Does that mean God knows you have need of all these things, but he's not really interested in giving them to you? Or he knows that you have need of all these things. And he said he would meet every one of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that he would abundantly above all that you ask or think blow you out of the water. Oh, you know what? That's okay if you don't want it. I'll just take it. He talked about lilies. He said the lilies look better than Solomon. He said God would clothe me like that. I'm taking that. I'm going to be like, woo! You see, I'm going to make the lilies envious. Solomon up in heaven will be like, man. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. But that's how good God is. God is so good. See, when you're over, when you're, Oh, when your knowledge is overflowing with the goodness of God and you know that he's willing and you know that he's able, then you don't wonder if he will. That's, I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to just, that's it. That's all I'm saying about that. I'm going to keep going. And so for, so for all, all these things, somebody say all these things. See, if you don't have a covenant with God, you have to worry about all of these things. But then it says in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. How many of you see single mind, single focus, single goal? It's just that one, just that one thing, the kingdom of God, hallelujah. Glory to God. And um, so seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. What does that mean? Well, that means that if you put your eyes on the right thing, then your whole body will be filled with light. Is that what the Bible says? Your whole body will be filled with light. What is light? How many of you know that that light is the word of God is light? Light is, is, is the, the entrance of his word. The Bible says giveth light. How many of you think if your whole body's filled with light and your whole body's filled with anointing. Your whole body's filled with ability. Your whole body's filled with sobriety of mind. Your whole body is filled with the fruit of the spirit. Your whole body is filled with what you need. Why? Because your mind is on the right thing. Your heart is on the right thing. Your goal is on the right thing. Glory to God.